0: Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening to Cut to the Chase. So there's a bit of a parlor game going on on Long Island and actually in the country about what's going to happen to George Santos. Uh, He is the guy who kind of snuck in. He won uh, the third congressional district in 2022, beating Robert Zimmerman. And we all know the story. He has pretty much made up his entire life. His religion, his career, where he went to school, his prowess on the volleyball court, uh, being a big media mogul in Brazil. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Uh, worse than that, he's being investigated on in federal, state, and uh, local, local prosecutors and investigators are looking into him. Brazil <laughs> is looking into him. The Health Ethics Committee is looking into him. And you know, if you don't know that district, it's the North Shore of Nassau County and a bit of Queens. And, you know, it it's tends to be blue. Uh, Tom Swazi held it for a long time. Steve Israel before him. Good, solid Democrats. And now it's held by a Republican who's kind of cleaved pretty far to the right in a strange way. It must feel safe for him to be very far to the right with some of those folks in Congress like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt Gaetz. He's, just, he's uh, supported a bill to make the AR-15 the national gun. Anyway, the parlor game is, as the national stuff swirls around, is who's going to take his place in Congress? The NASA GOP doesn't want him to run in 2022. He has indicated he is interested in running. I'm sorry, 2024. He has indicated he's interested in running in 2024. Uh, So with all of this conjecture, only, I believe, only one person has... Staked his claim and said, "I'm going to run." And that is William Murphy. And William Murphy from Farmingdale, 39-year-old father of one, soon to be two, is joining me here in the studio to talk about his campaign. William, thank you so much for joining. Thanks for having me, Laura. So you are a lawyer. You graduated Toro Law School, and you you teach uh, undergraduates law studies at mm-hmm. Saint John's University. You you have you're not a typical politician. This is your first run. Correct. For anything. Why are you giving up a perfectly lovely life, <laughs> relatively easy and predictable life for politics?
1: You know, that's a very fair question, Laura. My wife and I keep getting it over and over and over again. And, and what I can say is we're both lifelong Long Islanders. Both of us grew up in Long Island, in the great safe, clean communities on Long Island. We both attended the quality public schools on Long Island. Everything that we have... The success in our careers, our beautiful home, our beautiful children is in very much a, a testament to our Long Island lives. And we look at our children, of course, our son, Connor, who's three years old, and our son, Aiden, who will be with us very, very soon. And that's why we feel we need to do it, because we look around the island and we see it slipping away. We see these safe and clean communities getting a little less safe, a little less clean. We see these quality public schools starting to slip a little bit. We see people on opposite ends of a political spectrum at each other's throats. And the old adage used to be, Laura, that grandma and grandpa would move to Florida and the kids and the grandkids would stay and live their Long Island experience. Unfortunately, it's not that way anymore. What we're now seeing is grandma and grandpa being left behind And the kids and the grandkids moving out of state to start their life elsewhere. So our goal is to give our children, our little boys, that same Long Island life that we had. And not just our own, but families just like us all over my district but of course all over Nassau County all over Suffolk County and even all over parts of Queens. So
0: you're running as a Democrat. Um now it will probably be a crowded field unless there is a special election mm-hmm. before 2024 election. Um and I would imagine the party would be very eager to have Tom Swasey run for that special election. In a special election the party picks the nominee and then There you go. It's off to the races from there. Each party. So you'd have a Republican versus Democrat. No primary. However, if this goes to a primary in 2024, if Santos doesn't leave or isn't forced to leave, um, it could be a crowded primary. Now, in 2022, you had a pretty crowded primary. You had Robert Zimmerman, mm-hmm. who won, versus Lafazan, versus John Kamen. Um, I get the sense John Cayman is going to be running for something else, for a, a town position. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Lafazan, <laughs> he seems to be champing at the bit here, having press conferences every five minutes. And I also wouldn't be surprised if Robert Zimmerman uh, goes for it again, since he did win the primary last time. These people have constituencies and or they're well known. Mm -hmm. Um, They've been part of the Democratic Party, part of the organization for a long time. What makes you think you can do this to break through that clutter?
1: Well, I think what Democrats are going to soon realize is I'm the one who can actually win in November. Um, You have Robert Zimmerman and there's no other way to get around this. Robert Zimmerman lost to George Santos Robert Zimmerman lost to George Santos, and in fact, Robert Zimmerman has lost in four different bids for office over the years. Robert Zimmerman is also not a Long Island Democrat. We can talk about what Long Island Democrats are, how we need to get back to being Long Island Democrats if we want to turn seats blue or keep them blue, but he's someone who just parrots the national DNC lines. He stands with what D.C. Democrats and Manhattan Democrats stand for, and frankly, uh, as a as a multimillionaire, the district was redrawn, as you're well aware, in uh, 2022 after the census. And we have what I'd like to call the new blue collar backbone of our district. The towns like Massapequa, Massapequa Park, Farmingdale, where I live, Hicksville, Bethpage, Levittown. And I have a hard time believing that a candidate like Robert Zimmerman is very in touch with what the families of that blue-collar backbone are experiencing and going through. On the other hand, you have this kid, Josh Lafazan, who's quite literally been running for office since he got his learner's permit. He ask me if you'd like to represent real people with real businesses, real families, and real problems. Well, try living in the real world for a little bit if you want to have some credibility. On top of that, it's very transparent to me, and I I believe it's very transparent to voters why Lafazan lost to Zimmerman, that he is an individual. I think he
0: came in third, right? Yeah, actually came in
1: uh, topped Lafazan. He's an individual who uh, is an aspiring career politician and is very, very transparently looking for his one-way ticket from his mother's basement, where he brags about living, to D.C., to the excess of Washington, D.C. Whatever's next, I don't know, but it seems very clear that's his path. Now, one of these things is not like the others, and that's me. I'm not continuously running for office like Robert Zimmerman and Josh Lafazan. I'm not a career politician. I'm not involved in party politics. I'm just a real ordinary person, a husband, a father, a helpful neighbor, a loyal and trustworthy friend, a teacher, an attorney, one of us, one of us. And not only will I not be continuously running for office, I live the life, I walk in the shoes of the folks that I'm trying to represent, which is something that neither of these two men can claim. They very very conspicuously stand alone. In a district where perhaps you you agree with me on this, we are defined by families. And families come in all shapes and sizes. Not every family looks like mine. And I, and I appreciate that and celebrate that. But you have two men standing alone on stage talking about what they're going to do, driven by ego and ambition. And you have a, a third option who's fighting for his children, who's fighting for his family, who's fighting for his community, for his neighbors, for the people just like him all across the district. And I think that presents a very clear choice to not only voters in, in a Democratic primary next year, but in a general election in November.
0: Have you been speaking with the C? Those are the folks down in DC, the Demo- I don't
1: even remember what it stands for. but Democratic Ca- Com- C- Congressional C- Campaign, C- Campaign Committee. Right. Yes. So they're the
0: ones who <laughs> kind of recruit and help and guide and raise money for congressional candidates and I know this district along with so this is CD three yep. and CD four down where I live are, are going to be incredibly targeted seats. Democrats really want to win these back. There's going to be a lot of money and a lot of national attention, especially mm-hmm. in the Santos race, because of yeah, all it's, of his it's game of thrones, Laura. Yeah, <laughs> it is. So have you have you spoken with them and have you spoken with Jay Jacobs, the chair of the party?
1: We're having all kinds of ongoing conversations uh, with both uh the players in Washington, and of course the players in our in our local district, we're making sure that they know who we are, what we have to offer, um, how serious we 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 are in this race, um, and those conversations are are moving along. And have you spoken with Jay? Uh, we're getting there. I spoke with Tom Gary. Okay. Um, they're in the middle, as as you know, of petitioning. Yes, right that's now. true. It's not so, a great so time. So it's not it's not the best time necessarily uh, to sit down with a new candidate, but um, but we've made plans to sit down once petitioning's over and the Easter Passover holidays are over. To finally get on the same page about what we are hoping to accomplish.
0: Now, you're running as a Democrat in a, a place where Democrats haven't done well recently. Right. Um it is my personal opinion and my listeners may be sick of hearing this. I think it's it's the very leftist policies that have come down <laughs> the pike from Albany that have really hurt yeah. Nassau Long Island Democrats. And you know, you're talking about safe communities, you're talking about right. education. These are some of the issues that are actually turning some Democratic voters the other way. So why do you run as a Democrat on Long Island? Well, because we need to remind
1: people what a Long Island Democrat is. And you can appreciate this, Laura. Long Island Democrats, not a Manhattan Democrat. They're not a D.C. Democrat. They're a different breed. It's a whole different animal. We're not blue. We're purple, right? We stand against racism, yes, but we also stand with our men and women in law enforcement. We live and let live when it comes to people's personal lives and lifestyles, but we are not woke. We don't go around like the righteousness police telling people what they need to do. When it comes to the economy, We believe in keeping what is ours. Don't take away what's ours to give to others. However, at the same time, we also believe, we also believe that everyone should have a fair shake, right? That you should have to work hard, yes. That you should have to put in the effort, yes. But that if you do, you have a fair chance, a fair chance at improving the quality of your family's life, right? That's what a Long Island Democrat is. And specifically, something like schools, right? Big issue on Long Island, right? Parents' input in the conversation about what their students are learning. We experienced this with the masking, right, during COVID. We're seeing a lot of the culture war issues from around the country start to rear their head uh, on Long Island, right now out in Suffolk mostly, but I have a suspicion they'll make their way to Nassau. And here's the thing, what we do is hit the teaching professionals against those parents, right? Teachers don't wanna to be told how to teach. Parents don't wanna to be told how, what their kids should be learning. And this is a, a, a symptom of people's failed trust in government. We don't trust our government anymore. That's why we're here, right? Because people go to Washington DC, spend decades there, make millions and millions of dollars at our expense. Because instead of having a government that watches our back, people in our district feel they're getting stabbed in the back instead. And that sows discord, it creates division. And what we have as parents and teachers, two people who should, two entities rather, who should be working together at each other's throats. We need to make that a partnership. Not, 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 not an antagonistic, tense relationship, a partnership where our parents are coming together with our teaching professionals, three Ps, I like to call it, and politics is not one of those Ps, and having a conversation about what our, our children should be learning and how they should be taught. When you bring those entities together in a collaborative, positive, united way and get the politics out of it. Those problems go away, or at least they start to.
0: You know, what's interesting on Long Island, since we have 124 independent school districts, each school district has a different culture uh, and different relations with their parents. In some cases, we saw this, especially during COVID, that relationship between teacher and parent became very fraught. Mm -hmm. And then there's all the politics that came down about, you know, whether or not CRT is being taught and all of that. Of course. Um, And then in other districts, you have very harmonious, like where I live in Baldwin, that, you know, everyone kind of gets it. Everyone... Maybe there'll be problems and and controversies, but at the end of the day, they can have a conversation and you don't have people yelling and screaming at each other. And you find that really varies throughout the island. Um, Now, something you said is very intriguing to me. You have said that if – should you win, you promised not to run more than three times. So that would be a total of six years and then you're done. Then you're out. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Because you're right. People get there and then but they, somehow they get the bug. They go there with the best intentions, full of fire and passion and righteousness. And then the worm kind of turns sometimes. Not always. There's a lot of great people who've been there for a long time. But with some of these others, you see, you know, you see things get cynical. Why, why make that commitment?
1: Because that's what it's going to take to fix everything, right? What we have is a distrusting government. then we also have a media that profits off of painting this in terms of everything on ideological extremes. If it bleeds, it leads. Exactly. Right. And then we have money in politics. Thanks to, as an attorney, I could tell you all about it, the Citizens United decision back in 2009, though I'm sure you and your listeners are familiar, which essentially allows unlimited amounts of money, not directly to a candidate, but through their PACs and and, and such. And what you have (laughs) is a system where party politics for the benefit of a lot of big influences in this country, are trumping people's lives, right? It behooves Washington, D.C. to put party politics in front of the people. So in-
0: how do you, let's say you win as a, as a mm-hmm. rookie, freshman guy, low on the totem pole, How do you make that happen? Because that's I mean, if I were ever to run for Congress, that would be 100 percent what would motivate me, Uh, that that desire to bring normal to Washington, to bring to lower the temperature, maybe even kind of boring, uh, but in a good way, in a productive way. But then, you
1: know, you're confronted with the question, how do you do it? Well, those pledges are how you do it. Right. If you're saying to 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 your constituents, to yourself, look, I'm only doing this for six years. That's all I'm doing. I'm not trying to become a career politician. I'm not trying to be here until I'm 70 years old. When you say that to yourself, then what is the harm, right? If the Democratic Party is pushing a bill that is not good for my constituents, not good for my district, not good for my family, only knowing in my head that, hey, in six years, I'm back in a classroom at St. John's, that gives me the freedom and the liberty and the courage and the courage. Thank you, Laura, to say, you know what? I'm not voting with you guys on this one. I'm sorry. Primary me. I have a real job to go back to. I'm sorry you don't. Mm -hmm. It gives me that liberty.
0: You know what? That's very powerful to know that if you if should you lose, you'll be
1: fine.
0: It gives you, does give you the courage to do what you believe is right. It,
1: it does. And, and
0: along with that. Laura, and also without worrying about climbing the greasy pole of the power structure. Yeah, this isn't, this
1: isn't also, I should add, it's not just about six years. There's no Senate after this, there's no governor after this, there's no higher office. This is the way it was intended to be. We pick one member of our community to go forth to speak for us, to advocate, to fight for us where necessary, what all of us collectively, not Republicans, not Democrats, not independents, but all of us together collectively as a community need and put us first and then come home and give the next member of that community a chance to go do the same. We've gotten away from that. Why have we gotten away from that? Because people are making a killing in Washington, Laura. People are making a killing. I said it. They go for, there's people there that have been there longer, 39 years old, longer than I've been alive With fortunes in the hundreds of millions of dollars, they don't do any real work, a lot of them, because you watch them, they're on TV, they're on a book tour, they're at CPAC, they're all over the country doing anything but serving their people. So another pledge we've made, and we will stand by, is that if I were to be elected, no outside income. If I want to trade stocks, I'll go get a job on Wall Street. If I want to write books, I'll go become a novelist. Right? Hmm. Congress pays a good salary. I think a lot of Americans, a lot of people in our district would be happy to have the congressional salary. What is the salary? It's $174,000 a year. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's not bad. So for those six years that I'm there, there's none of that going on.
0: So are you hoping that Santos does run and he's the candidate because, you know, should you win a primary uh,
1: if there is a primary? Well, you know what? I'm not a scheming politician and I'm not a strategist here. I'm running because I believe in running myself, my wife, our family, we have a lot more to lose than to gain from this.
0: Would would, would it be fair to say that you were inspired to run because Santos exemplifies the dysfunction?
1: I think when it hits home in your own district, I would say yes, Laura, because when it finally hits home, I've sat on my couch disgusted, disgusted for years now. With the Matt Gateses and Marjorie Taylor Greens and Lauren Boberts and, and, and Bernie Sanders, even I'll throw that name out there on the Democratic side, even though he's technically an independent, no one mentions that, but, yeah. but he's associated with the left shore. I, I've sat there in his private jets talking about wealth distribution and wealth inequality. And, and it's one thing to see it on TV. It's another when it's in your district when this man, George Santos, is representing and speaking on behalf of not just you, but your own children. So, yes, it was the moment where I finally said enough is enough. I can either get over it or do something about it. And I'm choosing to get off my couch and do something about it because I look at the other candidates and maybe they're a little better than Santos on both sides of the aisle, but it's more of the same. It's no one speaking for my family, no one fighting for my family, no one speaking and fighting for families just like mine all across the district.
0: So I had Robert Zimmerman on the podcast shortly after all of the news came out. And I would just, you know, for the record, if, if someone else officially throws their hat in this, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in this race, I would love to have them on and, and, you know, talk to you about your campaign, whatever that may be, if Robert's planning to run again, we're... A lot of people blame the Republicans or they blame the Democrats or they blame the press for the Santos win. Um, And it's easy to do that in hindsight. How do you think he won?
1: I think it was a combination of two things. I would think it was incompetence by Democrats, specifically Robert Zimmerman. I can make a promise to you now, Laura, if I'm running in a general who, election- Who, for the
0: record, I should just note to you, I did endorse him. Mm-hmm. So just so you know, yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, if I was running in a general election, if I was running a general election, that would never happen. That would never happen, right? That's number one. But I also think it's, it's sort of systemic to what's been going on with the Democratic Party losing the idea of a Long Island Democrat, losing the idea of someone like you, Laura, who gets it, who's one of us- who knows it's all not red and blue, and that's the end of it, because you see Zimmerman as a candidate, and it's not very appealing when you drive through a district where years later, there's still countless Trump flags and Trump bumper stickers all over the place, that he's just saying exactly what the DNC is saying. So I don't know that even if we had uncovered, they had done their due diligence, and they had uncovered everything about George Santos before the election, I'm not entirely convinced it would have made all the difference in the world
0: now it's you know apparently the campaign told the press about certain things they were told hey yeah. if he wins this will be a big story but he's not gonna win you know there's a bit it's a bit of that if outside of long island feeling that if, well, of course he's not gonna win of course the democrats gonna win biden won with plus eight or whatever however many it was uh people who don't live on long island don't really get <laughs> don't they really don't, get what don't. it's like <laughs>
1: Yeah. I can tell you a story, Laura. So uh, just the other day, literally this week, I was having uh, lunch with a friend at the Nautilus Diner down in Massapequa. And we struck up a conversation with the owner. And there was these two gentlemen, uh, a, little, a little older, uh, maybe 60, 70 years old, both, both residents of the district, heard our conversation. They're listening to us. Uh, and they said, hey, what do you, you, sounds like good stuff. What are you running as? And I said, oh, I'm running as a Democrat. They literally walked away from me, Laura. They they saying. Democrats a dirty word. So we're out in the parking lot at this point. We're having a discussion. I said, Don't ask me my party. Ask me about who I am and ask me to vote on a bill. So they asked me about who I was. And I told them, I'm a family man. Right. I go to church. I do these things. Right. And I also tell them, right, they give me the bills, excuse me. And they probably threw seven or eight issues out there. And on about five or six of them, they loved my answer. So I said, what's the thing at the end? What's the problem? They say, you're a Democrat, run as a Republican. Yeah. And I said, well, maybe you should get past the letters D and R. Right. Because voting for the letter R is what got us George Santos. Yeah. And voting against the letter D is what's going to keep you from getting someone like me. We are Long Island. We are smart. We are strong. We are leaders. Let's be the one who sets a good precedent, right? We're so capable, and we know we are, of getting past this D and R. looking at the people and looking at the issues and making our decision based on that instead of silly letters that we let govern our thoughts and our voting habits.
0: So this is seen as as largely a Nassau district, but there's also some Queens in there. And it, I believe Santos won at least fl- a flushing, if I'm not mistaken. You may not know that better mm-hmm. than I. He did really well in places where de- Democrats should be mm-hmm. doing much better. You're a Long Island guy. You grew up on Long Island. You live on Long Island. But you teach in Queens mm-hmm. At St. John's. Is that helpful?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I'm the one candidate who can say that I literally drive the district every day from my house in Farmingdale all the way through it to Jamaica. I am the one candidate on either side with a genuine connection to Queens. And I can tell you, if you know anything about St. John's, it is Queens. St. John's is family. It is New York school, but more specifically, it is Queens school. And not only is it the institution, it's my colleagues, it's my students, it's the team maybe we got Rick Pitino now. Good times, right? Yeah, that's right. right, That's That's, right. And my husband's
0: a grad. Actually, um, he'll hate it if I say this out (laughs) loud. But he went to undergrad and law school, and he graduated first in his class at St. John's. So, yeah, he's very connected.
1: That's the thing, right, Laura? Everyone knows someone who went to St. John's, and nowhere is that more apparent, right, than when you walk down Union Turnpike. Right. When you walk down Bell Boulevard. Um, So I am the one one candidate who can actually say I'm in Queens every day, working with people in Queens every
0: day. Let me ask you a question. Do you ever get a little closer to the microphone? Do you ever wake up in the morning and since you've announced and you think of your to do list and you I mean, I mean, the raising of the money alone is just it it takes up so much time and it's really hard. Um, Do you ever wake up in the morning, slightly panicked like, oh, my God, what the hell have I gotten into?
1: Yes. (laughs) But I think about my children. I think about my neighbors and their children. I think about my students at St. John's, speaking of Queens, who are young people about to enter this world as adults. And I remind myself, that's why I'm doing this. That's my motivation, right? What was that. that
0: aha moment for you? Like, damn it, I got to do this. What was that moment? Well, honestly, it might have been today.
1: I had to cancel my classes today <laughs> to to, to, to <laughs> get, have this opportunity with you, with you, Laura. Um, I, I really needed to uh, to uh, to be here. And my students, I said, "Are you guys okay with this?" I asked them. I asked them, and they're like, "Murphy, go get them."
0: That's great. Murphy,
1: go get them. That's
0: great. They yeah. should all listen to the podcast. Uh, By the way, is, is, is you're you're a teacher, so you're in
1: front of students all the time talking
0: does that prepare you for public speaking?
1: Certainly. Uh, My time as an attorney did. And uh, obviously my time uh, in front of a classroom, you're in front of a group of 30, 40, 50 students at a time, six to seven times a week. Um, You can't help, but, but, Perfect. And get comfortable with your with your public speaking skills. And of course, all these years in the courtroom back in Mineola, back in Hempstead, back in Central Islip as well. Uh, It's all it's all ties together. It all ties together. And and sure.
0: So one issue should you win and that you're going to have to talk about during the campaign that's really difficult is Israel. Mm -hmm. Uh, Democrats have a not so popular right now uh, on that issue for those who are supporting Israel. How do you stand on that?
1: I am 100 percent pro-Israel, Laura. And let's look, let's dive into this issue, because there's this notion that Democrats are sort of shifting their views on Israel. And I think it's important to note that this is mostly younger progressive Democrats doing that. This is not your traditional Long Island Democrat or a longtime old school liberal Democrat who's changing their view on this. Um, Israel is vitally important to our national security in the Middle East. Israel is one of our longest and closest allies, and it is a relationship we need to continue to nurture and protect. And I, you know, you know as well as I, within our district, within our district, we have a very, very large Jewish population, and it's a very critical issue to them. Um, so, yes, while it's making headlines that there's changing sentiment on Israel, it's important to point out where that's coming from and and really reaffirm the strong relationship we do have with Israel at the moment. It is a very
0: diverse community. There's a growing Asian population, <laughs> uh, whether it's Hindu, Muslim, mm-hmm. Chinese, whatever it may be. How do you... Uh, and that, that's a population that's going more Republican, mm-hmm. especially in this past election we saw. How do you, as a Democratic candidate, reach out and connect with that very important
1: community? All comes back to families, Laura. What's important to everyone in this district, and again, I said they look different. They don't all look like mine in their formation and in, in their arrangements, but family and va- family values matter in the Hicksvilles, right? We're, we're a big area where you're seeing that increased Asian and Indian population. Family, family values, right? When they see other candidates, frankly, standing alone, right? Without any association, just by themselves out there. That's really hard when you're from a culture that puts family before all else to get behind. What, what is that person fighting for? Whereas you see myself with my wife, with my children, with my own parents, with my neighbors behind me and it connects with them on a different level. And then we can talk with policy, but I think I think that's where we lose them.
0: Now, we only have a couple of minutes left. And I want to ask, you know, you as an outsider, who is motivated to run because you know it's almost like that movie Network? I'm mad as hell. Mad no as one. hell. Yeah, yeah. I can't ah, You're stealing anymore. my quotes, Laura. <laughs> Come on, my
1: stump quotes.
0: But you know, I think a lot of people like that. But you, so you could be sitting on the TV, te- <laughs> you could be sitting at the, on the couch, yelling at the television, yelling at the radio, railing against this, you know, tweeting mean, nasty things, and all of this. But you decided to step up and run. Are you getting any snarkiness or attitude from people who have been in politics for a long
1: time and saying, well, who are you? Wait your turn. Not yet. Not yet. But I I strongly suspect I will in time. And um, it's part of the game. And uh, again, my answer to that is this isn't if you're running as a candidate, at least. And not, it's not a career, it was never meant to be a career. The fact that you're trying to make a career, to me, means you're unfit for the position to begin with.
0: So you're hearkening back to what I think the <laughs> founders meant, a citizen government, where the merchant, the farmer, whomever, would serve for a period of time, reflect the uh, the will of the people, and then step back, go back into private life.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. You know. It's about Mr. Smith being able to go to Washington. So in addition to everything I want to do for my district, uh, it's about showing people that you can just be an ordinary, everyday person and get this done. It's not a rigged system. It's not uh, an unfair playing field that anybody with the drive, with the desire, with the passion and with the platform that speaks to their people can go and make this possible.
0: So imagine that a little bit of optimism, uh, not doom and gloom and defeatism and nihilism, but someone who is seeing a problem and actually wants to step up and fix it. Uh, William Murphy, I want to thank you so much for coming in. Students, I hope you got something out of this. (laughs) And if anyone else throws their hat in the ring, I would love to interview you too, because I want uh, an informed electorate, which and an active electorate. Listeners, if you like what you hear on Cut to the Chase, please like and subscribe and give us a bunch of stars. And then you can listen to uh, Cut to the Chase on the radio on Sundays at 4 p.m.